Eu. So, uh, one slide on archaeological finds. Uh, archaeology paleontology shows great antiquity of human presence. We have artifacts from 1 million years ago, Homo erectus, Narmada man, we talked about this last year, 350,000 years ago, in Tamil Nadu, Athiram Pakkam, 350,000 years ago, Kvart in uh, all over uh, India, Bimbetka and so on, 40,000 years ago, Southern India, Edakal, Birana in Northern India, 10,000 years ago, then in Dwaraka, we have got underwater artifacts from 8,000 years ago, and recent artifacts from 5,000 to present in Harappa, remember, Harappa is recent in this timeline. <laughs> <laughs> From Harappa, we have got uh, uh, artifacts, Ganga Plains, Kiradi, Arikamedu, Patanam and so on. So we see that there is deep knowledge system showing high accomplishment in a variety of uh, fields, evidence of highly cultured people from ancient times, pan-India evidence of cultural similarity, evidence of knowledge transmission to the world. Archaeology collaborates antiquity seen in astronomy and so it implies an ancient civilization. Today you have seen a lot of noise on genetics. I've talked about genetics in the past, in the last two years, so please refer to those talks in detail. Here, I just want to talk about my approach to genetics. I say that there are concerns with methodology due to which genetic results cannot be global. Genetics requires models, methodology, data, samples, and claims. Each of these things can be deconstructed academically, and we can say that there are problems in these things. I put a downward arrow to show you my confidence limits uh, levels with these things. The presence or absence of a genetic marker is a fact. If I say I'm carrying a certain mutation and you don't carry that mutation, that's a fact. I can't do much about it. So that is that's, that can be accepted. Then if I say in this room, 20% have got a Dravidian gene and others have got an uh, Aryan, a Sanskrit gene. Now that is a questionable claim, including a direction of genetic flow. Then if somebody says that I've got 50% of things from Central Asia and 10% from Andamanese and so on, that is also very, very questionable. I put it in red and said I completely dispute these kind of things. So, last year I talked about this. David Reich, he says that Central Asians and the present day Indians have a common recent ancestor from 4000 years ago. So, he says the R1A is, we are related with this uh, uh, Z93 uh, measurement that there's a common ancestor between uh, Northern Indians and with Central Asians approximately 4,200 years ago. However, another paper by Lukot that I talked about says that the common ancestor for Z93 between Indians and Central Asia is 15,000 years ago. So two different studies giving widely different answers should set red flags all over the place. There's a problem in methodology, problem in data, problem in assumptions and so on. So I talked about this last year, won't go in detail, but mathematically can deconstruct assumptions, appropriateness and so on. And I'm a mantra is just because convergence was obtained, it does not confer correctness of the methods, whether it is in admixture or whether it is in PCA analysis. Last year, the claim was in 2018 from David Rice group that there were two waves of migration to India. One is around 7000 BCE, some people came from the pastoral, Iranian pastoralists entered India and they became the ancestral South Indians and the ancestral North Indians. Then he said from Central Asia approximately 4000 years ago, these people came and they became the ancestral North Indians. So that was a model proposed by the Harvard Medical School group and that was still last year, the received wisdom and then this man, what is his name, uh, uh, Tony Joseph went off and wrote a book that became a bestseller on who we are, how we got here. And I talked about this last year that all of this evidence 
is completely at odds with the traditional idea that we have of migrations. If you look at the Indic texts, Vedas and Puranas that talk about Anudrahyu, who migrate out of India and not into India. And we talked about the time when the Saraswati dried up in uh, 1900 BCE. And we said that, that that led to a migration event out of India, again, not into India. So those things are not considered over here. And I said that is a problem with this whole thing. And guess what? They wrote a paper very recently, 2019, a paper came from the same team where they went back on that earlier ideas over here, that there is no Iranian pastoralists who came and gave their DNA content into India. And how did they do that? Because they went and they found a grave somewhere in uh, uh, Iran, 11 samples of uh, people over there. And when they included those 11 samples in their DNA studies, all of a sudden the result, instead of converging to this answer, converged to mathematically to a different answer. And that different answer said there is no content from Iranian pastoralists in India. So this is the revised map now, that there is no content into India. Instead, the Indian model is indigenous to itself. However, they still claim that there is a Central Asian uh, injection into India forming the, the Aryan uh, Arbane content over here. And uh, these people, uh, Vasant Shinde and uh, others, uh, Neeraj Rai and others, they talk about indigenous Harappa and Aryans in Central Asia. So my question is, what has changed? There's a lot of fuss in the Indian media saying that now we have uh, disproved it genetically. However, the only thing they've done is they said that there is a separate people called Indus Valley. And that Indus Valley has got 50 to 98 percent from some common link over here and some 16 percent or so from Andamanese hunter-gatherers over here. And this common thing gave rise to hunter-gatherers, gave rise to Iranian herders, Iranian farmers, and so on and so forth. So in other words, these are all mathematical exercises. These are all based on models that academicians propose. And they fit the available data to these models and they make some preposterous claims out there. So I caution people, when you see these papers, don't get carried away by the pedigree saying that it came from Harvard or it came from some other big school and so on. It must be true. The facts are that the data is there, but then the models are all disputable. They encode various kinds of constraints that are preconceived based on their idea of history, based on their idea of linguistics, based on their idea of these things. They enforce that these models must be obeyed by the data and that's why they converge to certain answers, answers and they make claims like this. So I don't buy this for a minute. I, I put it over here to show what is the state of art as far as these papers are concerned. So here's one more paper that came in 2019 that said the Zebu was there in Mitanni and Hittite lands in 2200 BCE. Why is that relevant? Because they found over here, that this is a very famous Zebu, the humped bull. We see that in India all over the place, right? This is very, very drought resistant. This is an animal that is drought resistant in the Indian context. And all of a sudden, they found that the remains of these cattle were there in a certain strata in the soil. Over here, when they saw the uh, years before present, 4,000 years before present, these cattle remains suddenly went up in the, in the record. And when they did that, they found that these are all related to the Zebu cattle in 2200 BC. And how did they get that? So I'm claiming that when Harap, when there was a drought in uh, Indus Valley for almost 400 year drought, that's what caused the collapse of the Indus Valley civilization, right? Around 2000 BCE, along with Saraswati drying up. So people migrated out of these lands and went to Euphrates and Tigris river valleys and other places, taking their most valuable possession, which is cattle. Cattle was a wealth of those days. And that is why all of a sudden you find these things, Zebu going up in this. And this is a paper in science. And the same thing, they talked about how all of a sudden from Indus Valley civilization, 
the boss indicus suddenly it went up accordion seal also shows the same thing so my rebuttal has not changed so i'm saying that this is all mathematical studies they fail to explain textual migration record cattle migration record and other such things and i'm saying the results cannot be globalized one cannot come with such strong claims like tony joseph is doing or like david rice is doing they have to say in the context of the data methods were taken make a narrow claim it's only in the context of these studies that i'm making a cautious claim that there appears to be a relationship you cannot say i have addressed the issue of caste system i know how caste system came these people came from there and they've got sanskrit that's preposterous such things don't exist at the genetic level models are all imaginations that you have <laughs> so i i completely reject some of these things i'm saying that you cannot conclude a genetic flow in india following a postulated indo-european language expansion with much larger sample sizes maybe we'll get better resolution on uh, understanding our populations very last section i'll finish this off i'm showing cultural practices across time and geography showing similarity bb lal he showed uh, continuity of civilization we our people are used to thinking there's a harappa civilization there's a vedic civilization however bb lal came in and said the archaeological record does not show that he's saying there's a cultural continuity across from harappan times to vedic times he presented the swastika the sindur symbol that uh, many uh, married women even today in india wear the namaste symbol the shivalinga and kalibangan yoga asana positions many people are talking about these things here is one more birana a pottery shard from 4000 bce does this look familiar to you compared to this is exactly the same isn't it so some people just think this is parvati some people say there's something else but there is appears to be a continuity across time from birana to uh, uh, begar showing that uh, uh, these things are there we talked about uh, some astronomy but if you look at other celestial clocks whether you look at the number of muhurtas the nakshatra model the solar model the 6 year synchrony of lunar solar uh, adhikamasa the 12 year jupiter cycle 30 year saturn cycle 60 year sambhatsara cycle if you go to the uh, swami malai temple in um, uh, tamil nadu in near kumbakonam you will find that at every step there is one year of the tamil year okay it's a 60 year cycle and the funny thing is each of those years have got sanskrit names in there the sambhatsara cycle that refers to the uh, combination of the saturn jupiter cycle every 60 years this goes through one's resonance and our ancient indians had observed that there's a 60 year samvatsara cycle you find the 19 year moon cycle i'm not going to talk about that the tedx talk i given the talk of story of rohini that's related to this the yuga models are common throughout india similarly transits conjunctions this is an entire talk by itself to show some of these things if you look at the regional calendars used in india whether it's amanta calendar or poni amanta calendar for lunisolar or these you find that uh, it's used in uh, uh, malayalam calendar oriya tamil bengali and uh, eastern calendars all of them have got a very very similar kind of uh, uh, regional calendar if you look at the dresses you find whether it is worship epics sciences math medicine grammar idiom even the sandhi rules that we have whether it is in sanskrit or kannada the sandhi rules are all similar you find a very similar grammar you find a very similar kind of uh, dress structure the foods you know i trivially say these are different fruits but if you break it down into the constituents available you'll say that there's a pan indian similarity in music you might say we have got hindustani we got carnatic but again i have got an entire talk on history of music where i show there's a commonality going back to samavedic times there are commonality over there dance forms you got commonality all over india so my closing remarks the story of india's vast complex and it is multidimensional it is pretentious of me to come here and say i've got a, a 
narrator that talks about all of India. It might take years to even talk about some of these things. At a very high level, we examined the Dravidian claims and we concluded a lack of support for the claims. We presented a pan-Indian script deriving from Harappa and Brahmi. We questioned the received wisdom of Dravidian proof. We presented pan-Indian astronomy and showed antiquity. We questioned the utility of genetics in addressing identity. We presented various dimensions of cultural similarity. And I say that India is united by its ancient culture and its heritage and its identity is that of the Dharmic civilization. The destruction of the Indian identity by the five malicious forces I talked about, that has to be contested and neutralized with evidence-based claims. If we have to go and say this is our identity as Indians, only that can solve some of the problems that we have today in the Indian context. That is the end of my talk. So thank you very much. For, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.